Hockey season won't be around forever, so get in on all the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving you players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. They aren't lying. It's millions of dollars. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when you use the code THPN to sign up. And playing daily fantasy hockey is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweats like never before. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling feeling it it later tonight. I got to play hockey, so I'm going to feel it too. It's very wet. But every goal, hit, assist, it means so much more with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy lineup. Baseball fans, you may have missed out on season-long fantasy, so now is the time to get in on all of the daily fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players. So what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. So download the DraftKings app now, whether you have iPhone or an Android device, whatever, you can get it. I think you probably even get it on your desktop as well. And use the code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only on DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details I was walking through the halls of a Minnesota rink when along came a wild fan who started talking smack to me he said I bet you never like the blues until they won a cup so I calmly turned to him and said hey man listen up I admit it's pretty great to win Lord Stanley's prize but listen I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreak's all I knew, man. That team from old St. Lou, man. Got a cup in here, 52, man. Give me a let's go blues. I know Arbor, Unger, Picker, Plager, Rab, McDonald, Shock, Hall, Chris Moore, Patey, Harvey, Jimmy, Robert, Sabarin, Berenson, Thompson, Akers, Hester, Barrow, Pierre, Plant, Jock, Plant, Gossip, Merrick, Pinter, Bono, Stevenson, Davidson, St. Marseille, McCreary, Leffley, Eccles, Stonehawk, Palace, Harry, Talbot, Keenan, Sandy, Yassi, yes sir, I'm a blues fan, yes sir, I'm a blues fan, heartbreak's all I knew, man, that team from old St. Lou, man, got a cup near 52, man, give me a let's go blues. The starting lineup for your Blue Notes podcast, Tom Franklin. And no wax today, but there is Mason. Hello and welcome to Blue Notes, located on the best city on the Mississippi, the best in the Midwest. We've got that Stanley Cup power, too sweet to be sour. And if you're still curious, we are talking about St. Louis. Actually, if you're still clueless, we're talking about St. Louis. I'm the clueless one. I'm Tom Franklin, joined by my buddy Mason, Blues Fan Reacts. And how you doing today, bud? Uh, not too bad. Right in the middle of the intro, my computer straight up crashed. Oh, that's Straight great. up crashed in the middle of that intro. I just barely joined back. Well, it's it was like terrifying. It is an interesting start to this episode here. Um, you know, Wags is uh, obviously see he's not here yet. Uh, he is I, uh, he is currently indisposed at the moment. Let's just say that. Hopefully, we'll get him uh, later on in this episode. Uh, shout out to Rooster Cogburn for watching. What's going on, Rooster? Thanks a lot, uh, Derek. How you doing today? Uh, yesterday's game against the uh, Knights was kind of 
Yeah, that was it, it, it. I fell asleep after the first period, so I won't have much to say about it because I, well, I fell asleep. So uh, hopefully that's not a sign of things to come with the uh, St. Louis Blues. Of course, uh, our big thing this episode, we're going to talk about the Blues going into the playoffs, ass backwards, completely into the playoffs. Oh, yes. They're Face in. Climbing. They're in, and Arizona's not, as I like to remind a certain Arizona fan on Twitter yesterday. Um, and then uh, we're, we're also going to talk a little bit about the uh, whole Tom Wilson, New York Rangers fiasco. And uh, I have an excerpt from Bob Plager's excellent book, you know, about his time as a mm-hmm. player and kind of how they dealt with things back then. And I felt that was kind of relevant to add to this uh, conversation here. Absolutely. And then speaking of relevant to the conversation, it is our bare knuckle blues bracket as i realized center ice brewery is currently blocking my face at the moment yes. there we go trying to <laughs> get go. off in my grill professionals um, professionals, professionals here. absolutely professional. absolutely and by the way before we get too deep into it let's just all say happy mother's day let's have happy a big mother's happy mother's day to everybody i mean i know that my mom's watching i'm sure your mom is watching you right now you know i bet she's really proud of you right now so what? i mean you know I, I, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, I know my mom's proud of me and, uh, I'm glad that, you know, she hasn't, you know, given up on me yet, you know, 20 years about to be 21. So I'm glad that, you know, she's been one of my biggest supporters, you know, at first when I started, you know, being on YouTube and being, you know, the person that I am today, you know, I was kind of nervous to, you know, tell my family about it, you know, just cause I was like, you know, this is kind of my own thing. Uh, but you know, ever since I started, ever since she found out about that, I did, I didn't tell her somebody else told her, uh, but ever since, you know, I've been doing this, you know, she's been my number one fan. So thank you very much, mom. And I love, by the way, uh, rooster can't stay today. He is taking his mom to eat for mother's day today. There we go. Very nice thing for you to do. Uh, hopefully she's not eating chicken because your name's rooster and that would be awkward. (laughs) Um, awkward. And by the way, your mom checking in. Thanks, Mason. I'm proud of you and I love you. So there we go. Uh, feeling the love today here. Uh, we will try to keep the strip uh, club chatter down to a. Yes, we will. Know, just, for, just for you, mom. Sorry, sorry, mom. It's <laughs> this is your day after, and sorry to my mom as well. Unfortunately, she's <laughs> with us, but uh, uh, I'm sure she's watching wherever uh, wherever she is. So uh, of course, uh, thank you, mom, for well bringing me into this earth and uh, um, making this possible essentially you know so thank you you very much for that uh speaking of center ice brewery you know they were kind of uh, crowding my space there a little bit earlier on here i'm used to having three uh uh guests uh co-hosts here on the show so forgive me for that wags um but uh he died he died remember remember we just got word we got word 15 minutes before the show he has unfortunately passed away from a very tragic thumb wrestling accident so yeah prayers to wags prayers to his family you know hopefully he resurrects sometime this episode but as of right now he's dead to us so it's It's like it's like the old simpsons bit uh wags died on the way back to his home planet so that's right that's it, right it's so where's this home planet where it, is it i i probably a chick-fil-a somewhere a chick-fil-a lord knows, right. lord knows he lives there because you people won't work fast food anymore so True. you have to work like 60 hour weeks it's strange oh, um but regardless um the center ice 25 dollar giveaway um we are coming down to of course the last few games next week we will announce the winner of that uh a few of you uh, made your picks as to how many points the blues would finish at this year and 
Uh, judging by your picks, it looks like we'll end up in the median somewhere, right in the middle of where your picks were, which which means that we have optimists and we have pessimists. Right. At the time that we set up this thing, uh, you and I were definitely pessimists. <laughs> we were not. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> I, we're both eliminated from this competition. We I picked 55 points. You picked 53 uh, the Blues are at 57 points right now, so that's done. Uh, Ashley Jones, if she is watching, uh, my old uh, high school uh, classmate, uh, she needs the Blues to lose the next three games because the Blues are at 57 points right now, and that's exactly what she picked. And by the way, in case you're wondering, what happens if it ends up like, say, say the Blues end up with 58, and it's between Ashley and Dan Ferris, uh, who has 59, it's Price is Right rules, so you can't go over, essentially. So Dan Ferris would be over, and it would still be Ashley's. So mm-hmm. um, that's, that, that is our ruling there. Um, the, Dan Ferris has 59 points. He needs the Blues to win just one or overtime lost two games, and he wins. Pork Steak Schmuck on Twitter. I didn't get his get his real name. We'll, we'll just call I him. I love that. We'll call him Schmuck. Uh, we'll call him Schmuck. Yeah, Schmuck. Uh, he picks 60 points. If the Blues win and have one overtime loss, then he wins. Uh, he also uh, gets uh, uh, 61 and 62 as well. So he's probably in the Catbird seat right now. Guy Benson could still technically win. He picked six, He had 63 points. Of course, he's a Hawaii Blues fan, our, uh, our buddy from STL Fan Report. Uh, if the Blues win all three, then he wins the center ice uh, gift certificate. And he will be in, he told me he will be in St. Louis later this year. I originally closed it off to mm. St. Louis since, but he said he will be in St. Louis and I would be able to uh, help him out there when he comes in. But it would take a hell of a run by the blues to get to that point. Absolutely. And um, so, yeah, for, so let's go ahead and get into the playoff chat here. So the blues are in, we are in. Woo! Yeah. You know, normally if we, <laughs> And uh, as, as Ken Wilson would say, Boo this man! Whoops, Boo wrong one. This man. Now you're booing me. That's terrible. Oh, baby! The blues Here we go. Yeah, that, I got a new toy. and He got uh, a new toy. He's just he's I, having fun. And I have to remember where uh, it gives me like some some sound buttons, labels, you know, to, to to place things, but they don't have labels. So you have to kind of remember where you put them. You so, can put like little like label makers on them. I could, but. Um, Nah, I, this Makes is these hard. Okay, the professionals should know where what yeah, is professionals. Where. Once I again, put professional this together podcast. yesterday. Okay, so now, guys, you can <laughs> boo this man. Boo me. Boo. Yeah. Boo. So, so yes, the Blues are in the playoffs. Yes, they and, are. And um, I, I would ask you. I was going to ask Wags if he thought we would ever get to this point, but he's not here. So um, let's go ahead and, and Mason. Did you did you ever think we would actually get in the playoffs? Because I sure as hell didn't. I thought that we would get into the playoffs, but I didn't want them to. You know, that's been my narrative for the last god two weeks, two months now. Is just been we're not good enough. Why even bother? Yeah. We've been what? What's our four zero and or no six zero and two in the last eight? Yeah, that's pretty good. That's, that's still that's I'll take that. Good. Not not including last night, obviously, but six zero no. and two, that's like unbelievable. That kind of that kind of proves to me that the Blues can absolutely pull off an upset. They have all of the pieces in the puzzle to be able to you know pull off some kind of upset. I bet they could do it. 
You know, I, I didn't have a lot of faith for a long time, and rightfully so. They just weren't playing like we they deserved any faith from the fan base. Uh, but you know, there are a lot of there are a lot of real guys in the blues fan base that stuck to it till the very end. And I, I gotta say, I, I I applaud you for sticking in for that long because I absolutely cut it. You know, I thought that we should go for like a go for go for Dylan Gunther, like I've said a thousand times, you know. But obviously that's not happening. The blues are in the playoffs now, and like I said, I, I think all the pieces are there. But a lot of people okay, so on the Locked On Blues podcast, or no, it was two guys one cup podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, they taught, they, they came out with a tweet that said something to the effect of, uh, like why, why I, I, they didn't like the blues in the playoffs at all. And they, I, 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 I kind of, I responded to them and I said, like the most dangerous, they said, give us a reason to, be- they, they specifically said, give us a reason to believe in the blues in the playoffs. And I responded, the teams with nothing to lose are the most dangerous, you know? And they were kind of like, oh, they got they got four games to lose. What are you talking about? And I'm like, no. Who is going to win this series? You know, look at this series and tell me who's going to win. And they said Vegas. And I'm like, so we got nothing to lose. You know, we could we're we are definitely not the favorites in this. You know, we're not the favorites in this series. Sure, we got nothing to lose. No, and I think that's when you know a lot of teams at the moment. It was the same way back in 2019. The Blues had nothing to lose there. You know, they already sucked. They just barely scraped into the playoffs. Yeah, so it's just a matter of, you know, like I said, Blues have nothing to lose. I think they can do it. I think they can. I think I think they're going to give Vegas a bigger run than a lot of people think they do. Like, for instance, if you're just a mm-hmm. casual fan, say you're, you know, you're watching from Toronto or you're watching from uh, Montreal or, or some other market, you want to check in on the Blues, and, and we're talking about how that they could give Vegas a run in the first round, and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, you're just homers, whatever. And then you look at the NHL standings, and you see the Blues technically have lost their last three well, two of those were in overtime, uh, or, or at least, yeah. And so they, they still get at least a point out of those. They're still playing very competitive hockey, even against, you know, uh, you know one of the best, probably the best team in hockey at the very moment, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights. Oh, yeah. Um, I One out of four uh, points, you know, in this two-game series. I, I said last week the Blues needed to make a statement against Vegas. They, you know, again, they only ended up uh, one out of four points, and the, the the game Saturday night wasn't very good. But you're it's it's Vegas. They're the uh, the hockey guy on YouTube just named Vegas as his number one team in the power rankings in all of hockey. So this is who you yeah. are up against. This is the mountain that you have to climb. And it's and it's looking probably very likely it will be Vegas in the first round. Um, I I I personally think. I don't I they could push Vegas to 7. I think it's very I think that's very possible. I and it's possible. I and I and I, and that's a nightmare scenario scenario for Vegas or for any team in in the any in, in the playoffs when you're the number 1 seed, you want to be fresh, you know, as much as you can throughout the playoffs, which by the way, only 56 regular season games. I mean, these teams should be I mean, yes, we've had to play a kind of a tight packed schedule here a little bit, but they sh- you know, they they don't have as much wear on, on them as they do this year. So um, you, you got to wonder if maybe, you know, if, if you go to seven games repeatedly in the playoffs, is that necessarily going to hurt you maybe? Or do you think maybe, maybe, you know, with, with the schedule being only 56 games, there's not as much wear. Yeah. I think there is a certain fatigue factor there. I mean, not because it's only 56 games, but because those 56 games, especially lately have been t- packed tight. 
Yeah. You know, you have like the Blues have played 13 games in 26 nights, right? As of right now, you know, it's been ridiculous how much, how many games that any team in this league has played. So that's why the fatigue factor is going to be there. It's not because, oh, they've played 82 games and they want to take it. That's not what it is. You know, it's just the way the season has been structured has been, it's been hard opponents. You know, it's been back to back to back to back to back to back. You know, we saw the Blues play seven games in a row against Arizona and they completed that in like 15 days. You know, it was just ridiculous the amount of games that were played. So, I mean, I I think the Blues are going to definitely be struggling from that fatigue just because we've had a pretty big workload the last, you know, two weeks or so. Vegas, not so much. It's there, but it's not as much. But if it was a normal season, it certainly wouldn't be to this extent. Yeah, absolutely. And you know the and you bring up the Blues as well. I mean, they just went through a stretch where they didn't have any more than one day off, you know, mm-hmm. between the last, I think what was it like the last 13? It's nuts, um, yeah. Yeah, it, it's crazy. And they still have three more left to go here. And and knowing what we know about the Blues schedule and just, you know, how they've kind of had to deal with the injury bug this year. Um, the Blues play the L.A. Kings Monday night and then the Blues uh, have two against Minnesota. They host Minnesota Wednesday and Thursday night and then that's it. So mm-hmm. are you of the belief that maybe it's it's who's so time for those games and then you yeah. maybe you know start filtering in your Santinis and your McEckerns and your uh you know maybe even bring back Dakota Joshua you know maybe <laughs> maybe maybe giving some of your you know key players you know or maybe players that are just dealing with that nagging injury a break yeah definitely i mean you you're already in the playoffs your seeding is not going to change you are going to be the fourth overall seed so you know that you are i it hasn't vegas clinched the division or not quite yet i don't remember but uh, uh it's, not, it's not, looked, not quite it's not quite, not quite yet I, I think we all know it's going to be vegas in the first round i i think we all know that but like, yeah i keep hitting my freaking knee on the desk again i this Ow. happens all the time but like uh no I, it's not that it hurts it's just it shakes the camera so uh, no, but I mean, it, I, yeah, this is the time where you start filtering in, like you said, your Santini's maybe getting to go to Joshua. He just got back on the taxi squad, which I love, you know, I love to go to Joshua and we're going to get to him later on in the episode about something yeah. completely different. But I mean, you know, to go to Joshua, it, I, I think he could make like, if somebody gets injured, I think he could make a valuable playoff player just because he plays that playoff style, the hard hit and the grinding, all of that. You know, yeah. so push comes to shove. I think he could be a pretty he could be pretty valuable. And if you get him a little bit more NHL experience before the actual playoffs, regardless whether you need him or not, it's always going to be a good thing. You know, and last podcast, I kind of talked about how I think Huso maybe gets, you know, both starts against Anaheim. And you guys kind of said, no, you don't want Bennington resting that long. I kind of agree with you there uh, for the rest of the season. I don't I think maybe sit Bennington the last game, uh, but. I think I think you know I, I or excuse me I think you should play Bennington the last game but I'd say the yeah. next two yeah put Huso in for sure yeah especially against the Kings I mean yeah, there, there's the nothing left to play for here it's the LA Kings who the hockey guy actually put as number thirty in the NHL they're playing that bad lately um, and then you have Minnesota I mean you want to look I, I I would say. I like that plan of yours, Mason, where, you know, you, you put in who's the next couple of games you put in, you know, your, you know, you know, your taxi squad players, essentially uh, get Pareko a break. I mean, because I mean, he still hasn't, you know, looked 
totally 100% since he's come back. Maybe, he's looked better, but not 100%. He, he's getting better, but his but maybe, you know, with 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 a back, I mean, you know, the you know, maybe some rest would do him good. Surely mm-hmm. there's other players that are you know, carrying at least one injury, you know, around, you know, that could use a couple days off. Uh, this is this would be the week to do that, but then you bring them all back the last game. And because you want to you want to go into the playoffs on the right foot. And, right. you know, and, and Minnesota, I mean, they're a playoff team. They're, they're going to be the number three seed. It's possible mm-hmm. you see them in the second round. You need to know that you're going to look good against them. And, you know, granted, the Blues have played Minnesota very yeah. well this year. Um, and that's a matchup that I would like to see in the second round if the Blues were able to get past uh, Vegas. And because there's a lot of people that think that Minnesota can take down Colorado in the first round. And I'm one of those people. Uh, Colorado. Yeah, I think so. Colorado, I mean, they're Colorado's starting to get their act back together a little bit, but they haven't been looking great the last couple of weeks. And I know it's because they've been dealing with injuries. Like they, they were without McKinnon Saturday night, you know, he, and he is the, the straw that stirs that drink. So, yeah. um, you know, if he's going to come into the playoffs limping, I mean, maybe there's a chance. I mean, Minnesota's yeah, been playing sure. really good hockey lately and, uh, and they've, I, I'll, I'll say this. I, they've, they've won me over Mason. I, I've, I never liked Minnesota uh, style of play. I thought they play a boring game, yeah. They're, you know, constantly mediocre. But then this year they've, they've broken out. So it's just amazing what one young guy can do to your entire roster. It's amazing. Yeah. This doesn't happen without Kirill Kaprizov, which is my exclusive reason why he deserves to win the Calder is yeah. because of that. I knew he had a shot at the Calder at the beginning of the season. But after this, this should be a runaway case. There's no way he's not winning the Calder. Calder at this point he's yeah. what does he have like 13 goals in the last 13 games it's just been insane it's ridiculous. so yeah it's it's, it's been it's amazing you know definitely you know the minnesota style has definitely won me over and actually i can see a lot of other teams you know adopting this kind of stuff. i can see the oilers because they have that kirill kaprizov and Connor mcdavid who by the way just scored his 101st <laughs> point of the season in game 53 it's ridiculous. He is. I tell you, he is the best player in NHL history. You cannot tell me otherwise. He is. Gretzky. Okay. Gretzky. Yeah, nope. Better than Gretzky. Better Not than, kidding. Better than Gretzky. Better than Gretzky. Better than Mario. I think yes. Better. Well. Yes. Better than Mario. No. No. Not Mario. No. Probably not him. No. But they're in the same. They're, they're definitely in the same canoe kind of thing. They're they're so just insanely, insanely good. You know. Uh. But yeah, I could see, you know, what I've been seeing because they have that Kirill Capri Dominic Connor McDavid. I could see them kind of adopting the same thing. They got the players to do it. I could totally see that, you know, maybe get a better young goaltender, you know, and I think I think they're well on the right track for, you know, doing something like that. So Absolutely. I can see a lot of play a lot of other teams in this league really kind of taking off of the Minnesota style because I think what Minnesota's problem has been uh, because of their mediocrity, it's because they're just trying to copy too many winning teams. You know, you can't play the LA Kings of 2014 and the Chicago Blackhawks of 2015 at the same time, because they're two totally different teams. But I think that's what Minnesota's trying to do. That's why they sucked. Totally. Totally. So. Yeah. Uh, let's get to some comments here. First of all, uh, Chris Shockley. Colton has seen mm-hmm. better. He went to the game yesterday and uh, Pareko was dancing and goofing off before the game. And you don't do that in bad pain. So, so that's that's I that's I think that's quite possible. And then he sh- he's shown on the ice that he's he's getting back to, you know, where he was. I mean, he's still going to 
um, you know, take a little while, obviously, to, you know, kind of, you know, get back into the flow of things. But he he has looked a lot better lately. So, of course, definitely. Uh, Chris Shockley uh, asking, when can Costin play? Well, last game of the year. The very last game of the year. Basically, this, I, I tweeted out a scenario where it's like five minutes before game time in the last game and a limo comes screeching into, you know, the uh, Enterprise Center parking lot. And then Clint Costin steps out, you know, already dressed up and he's, you know, running out to the ice and escapes. That's Takes the Zamboni entrance. The, the limo yeah. screeches up to the Zamboni entrance and he just like opens the door and it's like, I'm in coach, I'm here. <laughs> actually, actually, Costin's got so much moxie, he might just drive the Zamboni on the ice. He probably would. No, okay, yeah, I can nothing, see that. Nothing's, nothing's going to stop Clem Costin. And got we'll, the boys we'll got to get a Clem Costin jersey for sure. And, and his and his moxie will come up later in conversation. I can I can definitely tell you that this episode here. Um, and we got a goal, fun episode today, guys. We got a fun one today. We do. The goal scored off of Sanford. Bennington should have the right to punch his face. Well, he could earn that right. Yes, he could earn that right. In our in our uh, tournament that we're starting today, the uh, bare knuckle blues bracket will. Uh, uh, get you uh, connected to that. Uh, Derek also pointing out, we'd like to point out Sanford nearly kicked in a puck against us in the final yes. on Friday. The- you know what I said? You know what I did when I saw that? I saw that puck deflect off of a Biddington barely save. I literally, I didn't watch the, I, I, I like immediately stood up and curled in a ball and I screamed. I was like, oh my God, it was inches. It yeah. was inches away <laughs> from being in. And we, you know, we obviously wouldn't get a point because it would have been the winning goal. Yeah, we need we need this tournament that's coming up. Like we really do. And uh before we get to that though, another thing that inspired that tournament, the Tom Wilson and New York Rangers fiasco and the question over like rough plays. So uh in case you've been sleeping under a rock, Tom Wilson uh basically roughed up our Temi Panarin uh in a you know behind the goal scrum. This after Panarin jumped on his back, by the way, you know, like Noted. a honey badger. Um, and so everyone and their mother on Twitter is going after Tom Wilson because it's Tom Wilson. He's you know, he's got a reputation for this sort of thing. Here he goes again, roughing up poor Artemi Panarin. Uh they no one likes to point out that it was Panarin that jumped on his back first. But regardless, um, so we have that fiasco and he only gets a five thousand dollar fine the maximum allowed but under the cba and then so so what happens from here is the new york rangers put out a statement basically slamming george peros uh for not you know doing more you know on tom wilson like suspending him maybe or giving you know i don't maybe he can't give him a bigger fine than five thousand dollars but he can take some game checks away from him you know that that adds up um so, so that statement comes out right after that. Uh, John Davidson, former St. Louis Blue, John Davidson, by the way, uh, and uh, former uh, I believe he was an announcer here for a little while. He um, he got fired as as president of the New York Rangers along with the GM right after that, um, and the reasons for that are still kind of unclear. And then the NHL, remember, they only fined Tom Wilson five thousand dollars. They fined the New York Rangers. Two hundred and fifty million, or not, almost not, I'm, I'm thousand dollars, and everyone on the internet was like, this man!" <laughs> towards Gary Bettman, unbelievable. And 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 so here's here's okay. Oh, there's winners and losers here. Obviously, as I said, uh, 
Tom Wilson had Panarin, uh, Panarin on his back. Let's go back to that. Panarin was on his back. Wilson chucks him down. He doesn't have time or he doesn't know who jumped on his back, but someone was jumping on your back. Would you like Would you like it if someone jumped on your back, you know, without notice? No. No, I would have put the next guy wearing an opposing jersey on the ground. That's what I would have done. And, well, and Wilson put Panarin on Wilson the ground. Wilson did. And starts rubbing. Albeit very I mean, illegally. Although, point, albeat very illegally. Wilson but he's seeing red. Wilson is seeing red at this yes. point. And, and and yes, he does rough up Panarin. I and, and given Wilson's history, I thought a game or two would have been appropriate. Two games, I, I two games would have been fine. I I would have been okay with one. Just just something because again, repeat offender. He did go overboard with Panarin. And he went overboard with Buchnevich as well in the crease. Yeah. You got to mention that as well. So yeah. I think that's why he deserves two, one for each incident. So. Exactly, exactly. But it would, but it would send a message, you know, that the, the NHL players' safety is governing this game. You know, yes. it's a violent and rough play, and that um, you know, it, you know, things like that won't go unpunished. And and the fact, and, and pretty much Tom Wilson got away with that unpunished. Which is yep. unfortunate. It's um, stupid. You know, the reason why I was so incensed over the $5,000 only is because Sammy Blay had unintentional head contact in the first game of the season and got two, which is equivalent to $25,000. Yeah. Tom was- Wilson nearly kills Panarin, and he cross-checks Buchnevich on the back of the neck. In the crease when he is in a prone position, he only gets five thousand. It's bullshit. I'm sorry, it is. Yeah. Um, Derek pointed out, Tim and friends pointed out that Wilson has taken out Sonny, Robert Thomas, Sammy Blay. Maybe COVID divisions aren't such a bad thing. Uh, we need to go back to the old divisions. I'm I, as much as this West Division thing has been interesting, you know, playing all these California teams. I I need Chicago back in my life. I need I, Chicago. I need, I need it back in my life. I need Dallas back in my life. No, we need to go back to the central. Um, I need the goalie chance. I need to chant the, the Chicago goalie. It's not going to be Crawford but, anymore, which sucks. It's the inconsistent message here that bugs me the most from player safety, because you have this happen. You mentioned the, the, the book Nebich thing. Do we, have you already forgotten about Mark stone and, and Tyler Bozak? I mean, yeah, like, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's lucky Tyler Bozak's not in the third grade right now, you know, because of, you know, how, how hard his head bounced off the ice from that hit. And it was an unnecessary hit. It was a cheap shot. It was stupid. It was a cheap shot. It was a dirty hit, plain, plain and simple. And, and yes, I mean, the players did enforce that afterwards. I remember Stone got into a fight at the game after it was uh, Justin Falk, I think, that, that took him on, right? Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. who who by the way is in our bare knuckle uh, tournament by the way. Uh and it kind of got me to thinking, you know, just of how how the you know if the player safety isn't going to step in on these issues, do we need to resurrect the enforcers to police yes. the game properly themselves? Yes. And I've been reading Bob Plager's excellent book with Tom Wheatley. Um and he has a chapter in there. The, the, the way Plager reads it, by the way, it almost reads like a Reader's Digest almost. You know, you got very short chapters that are just very nice for if you just want to, you know, read a couple pages and then, you know, move on. Uh, one of the chapters is called A Knee for a Knee. And mm-hmm. this is Bob Plager's encounter with a player named Derek Sanderson. My second season in St. Louis, I got my knee operated on because of Derek Sanderson. We were playing the Bruins, and it was near the end of the game. The whistle blew, the play was over, and I relaxed. Derek stuck his knee out, and he got me, and it was bad. It was a dirty hit, and he got away with it. No penalty. I got up and skated back to the bench. 
There was pain, but nothing on my face. I didn't want him to know he hurt me. When the game was over, I got on the trainer's table, and they said the ligaments were torn right off the kneecap. They wanted to operate that night, but they waited until the next day, which was Thanksgiving. After the game, I was on crutches, and I was going out to my car. The bus with the Bruins drove by. Bad timing. A window opened, and Sanderson yelled out, How's the knee, Bob? That That's what hurt the most. Keep in mind, no, nothing. there was nothing such as NHL player safety back in this time period. This was early 70s. That's what hurt the most, that he knew he hurt me. I yelled back, Your time will come. I had put a lot of players out of the game with hits, and a lot had been operated on, but I never felt bad because they were clean hits. That was part of the game. This was different. I came back late in the season, the first time we played Boston. Every time I skated past Sanderson, I said, I owe you. I'm going to get you. I owe you. End quote. It was the first game, so he expected to get hit. Everybody expected him to get hit, but when I got him, it was going to be at the right time, and it was going to be a bad one. I knew he was watching me that night. It really affected his play. He was doing things like slowing down when he went into the corners with me. So I didn't do anything to him the first few times we played. I'd skate past him and say, it could be tonight, but it won't be pretty. I always thought I owned him because he'd be watching me. His mind was on me. I was in no hurry, but I was going to get him. Then one day I hit Derek with a hip check, the famous Bob Plager hip check. And he went up and over me. He got his knee hurt, and he was operated on. When he finally came back, he was smiling. He said, I guess we're even now. I said, Derek, my hit was a clean one. Yours was dirty. I'm still going to get you, and you'll know it, and it won't be pretty. This went on for some years, even after he got traded to the Rangers. Then we were playing New York, and he jumped Claude Rose and fought him. We collided by our bench, and I grabbed Derek. I held him, and I said, it could be now. He said, you've been saying that for years. I don't think you've got the guts. I said, well, and I punched him in the face. I proceeded to pound him good. Nobody came to help him. Usually when a guy is getting beat up, somebody's going to jump in. You don't want to see a teammate get beat like that. He took a lot of punches, and he had enough to skate off the ice and hold his hand up like he won. That was Bob Plager. And uh, that's how he dealt with the Tom Wilson of his era, Derek Sanderson. Um, he got in his head. He uh, and and there was no there. And, and this affected Derek Sanderson's play, you know, at least whenever he was on the same ice as Bob Plager, where he wasn't headhunting. He wasn't right. going after anyone's knee. He, you know, the he was being policed by Bob Plager. We don't have that in the NHL no. anymore. Not, a, I mean, yes, every now and then you'll see, you know, a player get hit on the boards and then another lineman will jump in and start scrapping. But these aren't your typical enforcers. I mean, it's not, I mean, you're standing up for your teammate, which is great, but are you really enforcing the game? No, you're not. You're just reacting and you're retaliating, but you don't have a Tony Twist or a Bob Plager on the ice to help enforce things for you. I mean, you do have Kyle Clifford, um, you yeah. know, who, who can come in occasionally, but it's just like the Ryan Reeves and the Tom Wilson's of, of the game are just going away. And this is what we are left with. Instead of the players enforcing their own code, their own players, uh, we are relying on NHL player safety, which is inconsistent and is more than happy to find a team $250,000 because they dared speak out against your own dogma than going after a player who has repeatedly hurt players. Um, it's not a department. That's a that's a 
communist government. Essentially, it, it is it is a terrible system. And one another thing I don't get, you know, we had some, you know, internet edge lords. You know, that's my music for them. Some internet edge lords, you know, coming out and saying, "Well, why are you complaining? I mean, you know, a, a, a team, you know, uh, complains against the league, and you're expecting them to not get fined." That's not the issue here. That is absolutely not the issue here. Like, and I wonder if these people are like maybe trying to get an NHL job someday and they don't want to, you know, come out against the NHL or if it's just, you know, that Canadian, you know, friendly culture, you know, mm -hmm. that they have up there where they don't want to offend anyone. Um, I don't understand why it's so wrong to come out against these type of incidents yeah. and, and not just take it as, oh, well, this is what they always do, Mason. Yeah, well, the underlying issue is that player safety was in the wrong here. That's the issue. They were in the wrong, and the New York Rangers said, hey, listen, our star player's out for the season because of your guys' incompetence. All right? You guys you guys were wrong. And then the department's like, we're never wrong. 250000 Like, it's yeah. stupid. It is. It is incredibly stupid. And it just – if. It's a fascist if, government. <laughs> the freaking, if, the freaking player safety. If if you can't challenge injustice, and if you can't police, you know your own players on the ice, then then what what are you left with? You know, you're not left with anything except a dangerous situation where you know, yeah, the, the players nowadays it's a it's a lot different game than it was in the '70s and '80s. Players aren't groomed to be fighters and bangers and enforcers. Like, no, like, it's a speed-based like game now. Speed. That's not. That's just not where the game is heading, unfortunately. But every which, now, but but, yeah. but still, they, they, if it's the NHLs and and the hockey world's goal to like literally tr like train the enforcer out of these players. Um, you're, right. you're still going to have the occasional Tom Wilson that comes up and, and try his dirty crap. You're still going to have, uh, you know, Brad Marchand out there trying to be a pest. I mean, I don't think. No, 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 no. What's what's going to happen is what's going to happen is play the the game of hockey is the, at least the way that the USA hockey system is happening right now is they're taking away body checking at younger yeah. levels, which is a whole nother tangent. I hate that, <laughs> but. You know, because it does first of all, because it doesn't teach the kids to hit properly. You know, so it's just so you're gonna get more injuries. But what's gonna happen is because the the whole league, you know, from the developmental level is taking away enforcers. You know, they're like, hey, this isn't needed because this is dirty play if you're an enforcer. If if you're an enforcer, you're not a dirty player. But what's gonna happen is because there are no enforcers, the dirty players are gonna come out of the word work because there's nobody to teach him a lesson. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. We are going to get by actively taking away the enforcer role in the NHL at a developmental level, the players like the Tom Wilsons and the players like the Brad Marchands and the players like like the Nazem Kadri's, they're going to come out of the woodwork and they're going to just be going all night on the ice doing stupid shit. And when they do stupid shit, players get hurt, and nobody's going to teach them the lesson because player safety's not doing their fucking job. The refs aren't doing their fucking job. Nope. And worst of all, the other team isn't telling him, like, hey, this is messed up. I'm going to drop the gloves and fight you immediately after. We saw that when Tyler Bozak got injured. Falk yeah. was the only player who stepped up, and the next time Mark Stone comes into our building, he scores two goals! And is untouched. And is untouched for the entire yeah. game it's not right the enforcer role needs to be brought back into hockey it has to
I mean, I get the good intentions, you know, by, um, you know, you know, trying to, you know, make the game, you know, not as violent, you know, obviously it makes the game more marketable and all that, you know, fun stuff, but you know, it, it does lead to unintended consequences like this. Yes. And, and it's just, if, if you're in a league where if you're running a league where the most you can find a player is $5,000 and find a team, $250,000 for speaking out against that, uh, right. you, you've got to completely ask backwards. You know, mm-hmm. $5,000, Tom Wilson probably earns that in a shift. You know, so you're finding him one shift. You're not even finding him a game's wages. It's a shift. You know, he makes, the guy makes over $5 million, you know. I bet he spent he, more in at Olive Garden with Tony D'Angelo than he freaking <laughs> got fined there. Like, it's oh, so God. stupid. To be a fly on the table for that conversation. Jeez, that, that that's whole that's a whole nother whole nother story there. So, yeah, it's it's they they need they need to figure out a solution and player safety ain't it. And it, it just, so bring I I'd say bring back the enforcer. And hey, two play two player safety's credit. All right, they have cracked down. You know, a lot they're doing it at a pretty extreme level right now. They're finding freaking everything and suspending freaking everything. But I'd rather have that. I'd almost rather have that than nothing happening. Okay, yeah. I'm glad that players are being fined more now. Because and everyone's like, no, this is this is a stupid thing to be fined for. But at, at least they're fining people for doing borderline stuff. That Pat Maroon was a bunch of nonsense. But yeah. you know, it's it's, it's at, at least they're fining people, and they they're kind of at least they're semi realizing that okay, we kind of need to get a grip on this. So if you find everything for the next you know couple weeks or so and players are going to learn like okay we're not going to get away with this no more so yeah uh by the way maroon just got suspended yes for, I want, for one game yeah for one because game. uh whoever he was fighting after the was i don't even remember his freaking name but apparently he called him fat pat <laughs> yeah pro- possibly possibly and then as chris points out hell what's going to happen is wilson himself will get hurt someday you know Good. kind of the situation with uh what's his uh with uh what's his name in vancouver um <laughs> Who I Matt is he talking about Matt Cook? I think maybe he's talking about that or Brashear or I, I I forget. Um, but all this has kind of has, has gotten us in a fighting mood, Mason. And what better way to fighting mood? What better way to channel our aggression than with a fighting tournament, ladies and gentlemen? It is the bare knuckle blues bracket. Oh, yeah. Imagine very dramatic. you're in your favorite seat at Enterprise Center. The lights go out. The fans roar as the spotlight shines on center ice. You can see there is now a cage surrounding center ice with an opening towards the side of the rink where the Zamboni comes out. Soon, some rock music like this plays, and you, hear a, and you see a player skate out of the Zamboni entrance. His gloves are already off. He gets his equipment checked by a ref near the circle gone, as we're calling it, and then he stays. <laughs> Same thing for the next player. Finally, the music stops. The players stand across the circle gone from each other. The ref announces the winner gets to beat up Zach Sanford in practice. Woo! And that ref, Tony Twist, yells, let's get it on. And the players have themselves a good old hockey fight. Ladies and gentlemen, this is... The bare knuckle blues bracket. So, what is the bare knuckle blues bracket? Um, we talked last week about who the toughest current blue is. This was even before the whole Tom Wilson thing came about, and we had a few ideas. 
uh, from the players to the setting that I just dramatically laid out for you with some. Oh, yes. Yeah, I think you got a career in that. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see about that. Um, if anyone wants to hire me, let me know. Uh, the matchups for this contest uh, were actually made by you, Mason. Uh, yes. I, I tweaked one of them because I wanted to see a goalie fight. So that was the only real change. Uh, do not read too much into where the players are oh. on the bracket. In fact, I'll go ahead and bring that up for you uh, right now. So, uh, Mike Zaski. So uh, we have a total of uh, 32 players in this bracket because there have been at least 32 players uh, that have played this year for the Blues. Um, and, you know, they, they each got their own individual matchups here as I'm scrolling down and showing you all 16 matches. There yes, will sir. be there will be one winner. I'll go ahead and scroll back up to the top here. And uh, let's go ahead here and uh, um, – tell you what we're going to do here so of course we wanted wags here to kind of help uh, uh pick the winners here but uh yeah because i i my logic was you know we there's three of us you know majority moves on kind of thing but i guess we're gonna need the oh i can't be mike was asking anymore uh we <laughs> we uh now now our thing is uh you know now let's let's have the viewers decide now we got a couple people in sure. here so uh let's 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 you let's use you guys as the tiebreaker here so, so I, I think what we're gonna do and we'll definitely take your input here if you're watching live on facebook or twitter or, or youtube rather or twitter we do post this on twitter as well yeah. um but i think what we're gonna do now is we'll make our picks here as you know just just us two and then we're also going to do polls during the week for each matchup as well, because I want to see what what Blues Nation thinks of these matchups. Uh, Monday through Thursday, we'll post four polls a day on each matchup to see what you think. And then we'll do it again next week for the round of 16 and then, you know, the round of eight. And then we'll probably, you know, you know, then we'll do the semis and finals and all that stuff. So why now? Yeah. Well, why are we doing this now? I mean, the Blues are still playing hockey. Well, it is, it is, it is, <laughs> well, yeah. And, 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 and to your point, it's uh, uh, the playoffs are coming up here, but there's going to be a little bit of a lull, you know, because mm -hmm. uh, the Canucks still have to finish out their schedule. Uh, the blues finish up on Thursday. It might still be a week or two before the playoffs um, even start. So um, we have to fill it with some sort of content and I thought, Hey, let's have some fun. Let's, let's figure out who would win a UFC style tournament. You know, if it were St. Louis Blues players and the winner gets to beat up Zach Sanford. Now, Absolutely. Now, hypothetically, Zach Sanford is in this tournament, so he could hypothetically he can beat up himself. He could beat himself up, which uh, would be which, interesting, which would be interesting to see. It'd be like Jim Carrey in the movie Liar, Liar. You know, I'll be, I'll be very oh, interesting. By the way, credit to, <laughs> credit to Tom, by the way, for the epic bare knuckle blues bracket name. That was so freaking. Actually, that was whack. Wags was that Wags? Oh, sorry, Wags. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'm <laughs> sure to whoever did it wasn't me. I'm not that creative. I'm but. sure he was, and I'm sure he was very excited to be here to uh, help. Uh, I guess so. Pick the winners, uh, but yeah. uh, something came up. I guess. Um, okay, if he has, if he has a problem, no, no, he died in his thumb wrestling accident. But no, he, if, if he has a problem, he could take it up with that in the yeah. next episode. Exactly. We'll have him back next week. We'll we'll, we'll yeah. give him a pass. So here are the matchups here. So first matchup here is Vladimir Tarasenko versus Steven Santini. And let's go ahead and do... Number Steeler. Let's go ahead and do the tail of the tape here. So uh, you, may be may, you may be surprised to know Vladimir Tarasenko has been in three NHL fights. And he has a 3-0 hockey fights record. 
This is where I'm getting all that information from, by the way. Uh, voters picked Ted. He won th all three fights. Um, Tarasenko has 388 hits in 531 NHL games, so he averages 0.73 hits per game. He stands at six foot, 225 pounds, and he comes from a remote part of Russia. Yes. Uh, Steven Santini, which has the which has the toughest sons of bitches. Oh in yeah, like NHL like, history, middle like, of nowhere Russia. Of course. I mean, re I mean, remember remember that mountain that uh, Rocky climbed up with before you know, before he fought Drago. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's basically Tarasenko's backyard. That's where Tarasenko left. Yeah, yeah, essentially, that's where he lived. Essentially, and he's taken on Steven Santini. He has had two NHL fights and three in the minors or juniors. He has an 0-2 NHL record according to hockey fights. 281 hits in 117 NHL games. So he likes to throw the body. He's two point, he has 2.4 hits per game. He stands at six foot two and weighs 205 pounds. So he's two inches taller, but is 20 pounds lighter. So Tarasenko versus Santini. Um, I this is a matchup that I even I don't though think I, it's close. I just I, I just gave you some 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 numbers for Santini. Has not proven himself to be a fighter. No. I mean, it's not that Tarasenko is exactly a fighter either, but he can hold his own, and yeah. he's got a nice, sturdy build, um, and he's not unwilling to throw the body. So um, I would say, I would say, edge goes to Tarasenko. Oh yeah, yeah, Tarasenko definitely gets the edge, mostly because you know, I what'll what'll happen is Tarasenko will go into the ring and I'll whisper, "Hey." Steven Santini's a stealer. He stole my number. And then Tarasenko's like, oh, no, he did it. And then <laughs> beat him. Beat Mr. Number Stealer. By the Steven Santini will be called, will will be definitely be called, uh, you know, the Steven. He'll be called Number Stealer on here from now on. So. Right. So we'll give, we'll give Tarasenko the win here. There's already two votes to zero. We'll still ask the... Uh, uh, you know our Twitter followers at Blue Notes Pod. You know there. It sounds like everybody in the chat here is uh, is uh, more intent yeah, on Vladdy yeah, as Chris well. Shockley's so. definitely Chris Shockley is definitely pro uh, pro uh, Vladdy there. Uh, our next matchup uh, has Nathan Walker, the the uh, Aussie, Aussie Aussie Ranger, um, Nathan Walker, uh, taking on Ryan O'Reilly. This one is going to surprise some people, maybe. Um, first of all, Walker has one NHL fight. He lost to Andrew Shaw. He has 23 fights in the minors and juniors combined. <laughs> this guy is Henri. Uh, 18 hits, <laughs> 10 NHL games, almost two hits per game, 1.8. He does stand five foot nine, 186 pounds, and that five foot nine might be generous. He's taking on Ryan O'Reilly. Zero fights he is also a perennial lady bing candidate yes um, has 370 hits in 857 games that's less than half a hit per game uh he does stand six foot one 216 pounds i love o'reilly he is a phenomenal player i've never known him to be an especially physical player whereas walker has moxie oh yeah well, i'm gonna go with walker on this one. Oh yeah no i'm going walker like i, I love you captain o'reilly I, I absolutely do but man, no, we we got to go Walker here. I mean, he's just he's he, he is an odd. He he put he brings a lot in his generous five foot nine stature. He certainly has a lot of gumption, as Darren Pang would say. So uh, yeah, I'd go with Walker on this one for sure as well. Plus, he comes from Australia, where everything in Australia, Australia. tries to kill you. So you know, it's, it's true. It's, it's a very inhospitable place. You know, for like ninety percent of the landmass. So. We'll give the Duke to uh, Walker there. Yeah. Our next matchup, Braden Shen.
versus Jacob Delarose. And here we come across, first of all, I'm wearing a Shen jersey today for a reason, and that is because I like him in this tournament. Braden Shen has 28 NHL fights. <laughs> 28. You you don't think that at first when you think Braden Shen, but he's a He's scrapper. had four this year. Hasn't he had four yes. this year? It's been yeah. four, yeah, four this year, including those two at the opening faceoff, you know, yep. after Plager died. Um, uh, Ryan Hartman and uh, Coleslaw from, uh, from Vegas. Um, but uh, this year, uh, actually for his career, Shen is a, has a 14 and 14 record. Um, so respectable. he, so, so he's respectable. He can hold his own. Um, he has 1,534 hits in 711 games. That is a 2.16 hit per game average. So he's, he's, he's a physical player. He stands six foot one and a sturdy 200 pounds. He takes on Jacob Delarose, who has two <laughs> NHL fights, has an 0 and 2 record. He doesn't have to throw the body. 474 hits in 212 games for 2.24 hits per game average. And he's a bigger guy. He's six foot three, 215 pounds. So he does have two inches and about 15 pounds on Braden Shen. But I, uh, when I when I see Braden Shen drop the gloves, Mason, I always think of a honey badger with him because that's kind of yeah. his style. He just he doesn't he doesn't mess around. He just you know starts wailing. And I don't know. If oh, yeah. I don't know if that's the preferred hockey fighting tactic, but you know what? It works for him. Hey, it works. I mean, I think I think the edge obviously goes to Braden Chen in this one. Uh, I'm sure that we can both agree on that. Yeah. Uh, but I think you know, 14 wins in a and four, 28 fights and 14. That's respectable. He that knows is. how to fight. He's got. He, it comes down to experience here. You know, it doesn't matter that De La Rose is. You know so much bigger you know i mean ryan o'reilly so much bigger than nathan walker that doesn't really matter you know it's a matter of how how you know it's a matter of how much bite you got and i think brayden shen's got a lot of bite he really does he really does so we're gonna go ahead and go with uh brayden shen there so um our next matchup here and uh one that might might be surprising for a couple reasons Jaden schwartz takes on clem costin uh, we were talking about veteran experience here, That's and a good one. obviously Schwartz has that. But Jaden Schwartz, not the most physical player. He's he's had one fight in his career, and Christopher Stieg beat him up in 2013, and I think that was pretty much it for Jaden's fighting career. He does have 450 hits in 558 games. He averages about uh, eight tenths of a hit per game. Uh, he stands five foot ten and 190 pounds. He takes on Klim Costin who did have one preseason fight in 2018, and he beat up Devin Shore. He has a 4-0 record in the AHL uh, in four fights and uh, limited NHL experience, uh, but he is six foot three, 212 pounds of pure Russian hate. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, he has he has he stands five foot <laughs> taller than Jaden Schwartz. He has 22 pounds on Jaden Schwartz. And Jaden Schwartz, as we established, is not a fighter. He he's a he's a solid two way player. We love Jaden Schwartz, but uh, in 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 a cage against Clem Costin, uh, not close. This doesn't it, this doesn't escape the first round. Knocked out one punch. Yeah, one punch. It's a one punch bout right here. It's one maybe two. Jaden Schwartz doesn't get a single punch on Clem Costin. There's no way. Sorry, yeah. sorry, Schwartz. I love you. We all love you, but no. <laughs> So we've already no. established that our uh, matchups next week will be Vladimir Tarasenko versus um, uh, Walker Aussie Ranger, and then mm-hmm. uh, Braden Shen against Clem Shady next week. That's gonna That's be a right. good one. 
that's gonna be, gonna be good that that might be shen's toughest matchup uh coming out of this uh i think so too uh this region here um For i'm sure. really curious what people think of that one uh let's go ahead and go down to our uh, next four matchups here if you're watching on youtube and uh um facebook uh our next matchup is tyler bozak versus dakila joshua and uh tyler bozak one he has had one nhl fight he uh, lost to uh some some guy named Corey ruedel in 2013 uh he is a physical player he you was know, a he's a blackhawks player uh yeah blackhawks back really? in the day 699 hits in 762 games uh, basically just under a hit per game which you know is fine uh six foot one 199 pounds taking on dakota joshua who has who has had one fight in the NHL and he beat up Coleslaw in Vegas. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was, which was, that was, and that was an epic that fight. Was that, was just, that was a beat down. Um, Joshua did have one fight in the minors. He beat up Dennis Gilbert last year, who I think at the time was a Blackhawks prospect. And uh, he was traded in the offseason in the uh, Brendan Sod deal. Um, and, and worthy you mentioned, worthy you mentioned with Tequila. Yeah. Right before he fought Coleslaw, which is his mm-hmm. name. It's not Coleslaw, it's Coleslaw. Yes. Right before, he laid a massive hit on Ryan Reeves. He did. And How many people have the balls to hit Ryan Reeves? Very well, few people in this league. Here's why I like. Uh, here's why I love Ryan Reeves over Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson would have probably, you know, need you know Dakota yes. Joshua later in the game or done something dirty. Reeves, on the other hand, he kind of had a look of respect. Yes, that. it's like he he realized he got he got knocked on his ass legit. And he was kind of looking up, it's like, damn, who hit me? And it was like, and it, and it was it was Dakota and and Reeves never retaliated. It was it, right. it was it was a good clean hit. Reeves should have had his it head was. up. Absolutely. Uh, uh, but but as far as the Dakota Joshua's fighting acumen, he has that's his only NHL fight so far. Uh, and I mentioned he beat up Dennis Dennis Gilbert. Joshua's a very physical player. One of those 19 hits that he's had in 11 NHL games was against Reeves. So he has a 1.73 hits per game average. He's six foot two, 199 pounds, which so basically they're even on weights. They have and an inch, Joshua an has inch an inch yep. uh, positive here. So Dakila. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, Tyler's never struck me as Tyler's a, not a physical guy. No, no, no. I, Joshua I, is the physical aspect. You know, he came I mean, into the, he came into the league and he was hit, 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 hit. You know, he was good. Bozak, you know, Tyler Bozak's never been that guy. Yeah, Bozak's not going to shy away, but he's not. You know, no, I mean, he's, he's not going to win. He's not a the killer, basically. Right. He's not a he's not a killer like the killer Joshua. So that's right. The killer advances. Hell yeah! Uh, all righty, our next matchup, and I really wonder why you chose this matchup. Honestly, I, I want to <laughs> because this is like the pillow fight of the of this the. This is a pillow fight. Year. Yeah, this is uh, totally a pillow. This Mike like, Hoffman. This is a. This is a. Girl fight. This is, yeah, a, this is a girl's this is a cat fight. fight. This although, is a cat fight. Although maybe not as close as you think. Mike Hoffman versus Carl Gunnarsson. Um, Hoffman has one fight in the QMJHL. There's like no details on it on hockey fights. Um, Hoffman is a sissy. He has 265 hits and 542 games played. About half a hit per game. Uh, six foot, 180 pounds. He's taking on Carl Gunnarsson, who, as we all know, is made of glass. He's basically yes, the glass show of punch. Where do you mention? Yes. Um, t- but he does have two NHL fights. He lost both of them. 
He yeah. and and you know he does, he throws the body, 700 hits and 629 games played. Like I've never known him as like a real like guy to be feared, but you know, he'll he'll get in the corners and muck. Yeah. Uh, six foot two, 198 pounds. So he has two inches on Hoffman and 18 pounds and basically probably a whole lot more moxie than Hoffman does. I mean, Hoffman's never been a physical player. I, and I, I would say, I say provided Gunner doesn't like injure his hand punching Hoffman. I would say, I would say Gunner takes this one. Yeah. What are the, how tall is Gunnarsson? Gunner is six foot two, 190. Oh yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. He's, he's, got, he's got two inches on Mike. All right. Yeah. Then yeah, that's what I would say. I, I This one comes down to who's the taller guy. And assuming well, this in my right, opinion, and, and if and if he's if he's trying to you know play you know you know you know flow like a butterfly sting like a bee against Hoffman you know hopefully he doesn't you know, like roll his ankle or something because we always have to worry about that with Gunner. But right, we'll, right. We'll give, we'll give him the win here, and we'll give him we'll make him the sacrificial lamb for Dakota next the week. Sacrificial. Yeah, I mean someone. <laughs> I, mean, someone <laughs> I love that. One of these two was going to get absolutely butchered next round. Oh yes, no, even for if, sure. Bozak would have probably had his way with either one of these guys. Um, <laughs> all right, so that was so that was our that was our teddy bear matchup of the, the first round. Lamb. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's going to be bad. Um, oh no! You know what? That'll, that'll make the fans happy. You got to have at least one, one absolute, you know ass kicking in the tournament yes of course <laughs> so here we go we have oscar sunquist taking on david perron this is an interesting matchup uh sunquist <laughs> hasn't fought in the nhl he has, he does have one ahl fight where he fought to sean corrali uh, as we know oscar's physical 289 hits 229 games played so about one and a quarter about a one um, yeah. you know hits per game uh six foot three 209 pounds so good size he takes on David Perron, who does have two NHL fights. He has a 1-0-1 record, according to uh, hockey fights. He drew against Bobby Ryan in the early 2010s. I actually think it was like 2000. No, it was early 2010s on that one. Um, Perron, more physical than you think. 1,104 hits and 903 games played. So he has about one, right at about one and a quarter hits per game himself. Mm -hmm. uh, he's six foot, 200 pounds. And you know it's it's funny, Mason. I, I I got a you know a little bit of a uh, um, dumb moment myself. So when we were initially talking about who was going to be in this tournament, uh, we were initially talking about doing just like eight players. Yeah, and I suggested Sunquist as one of them because mm -hmm. you know, when you think Oscar Sunquist, you think you know okay, he's this you know he's he's a, he's a moxie guy. You know he plays a two way game. He's he's solid defensively and he likes to hit. I never thought that he he's not a he's not a fighter. I no. mean. And 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 you wonder if may uh, and you you still kind of wonder if he has nightmares with Tom Wilson, you know? Yeah, I think he does. I mean, Wilson did try to kill him a couple of times. Well, I mean, credit to him. After all, I haven't seen him skate with his head down in the neutral zone since True. that. So <laughs> that, that is that is called learning your lesson. That's right. Um, but in terms, uh, I mean, we, we were talking a little bit earlier about you know you know just veteran presence and david Perron's definitely a veteran at this point given that Perron is also that he's still the player that like gives you an occasional bad penalty that just drives you nuts um so i, I think there's a little bit of dirty in david Perron. yeah I, I think in a cage i think Perron would be you know i mean i think i can see sunquist being a kind of a straightforward brawler type but Perron's got technique 
I think it's true. And and he's and, and I think he's got a nasty streak to him that Oscar doesn't quite have. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give the edge to Perron. I actually had to think about this one. It's a this one's a kind of a difficult one. Uh, I mean, you, you're kind of right that he is kind of the you know the dirty one. Uh, he he can bring a little bit of dirt into it, but at yeah. the same time. Oscar Sanquist is six foot three. So he's got the reach advantage and the size advantage. He does. Uh, who did David, do you know, do we know who Peron fought in the win or? Uh, I can check that for you here real quick. Just a quick check of. Uh, Cause that's a pretty big. Yeah. Cause if he tied Bobby Ryan, Bobby Ryan's pretty skilled at fighting. Yeah, he's yeah. But he's, Sean Corrales is very skilled at fighting, so that's yeah. not surprising that he uh, lost that Sunko's lost that one. Right. David Perron's other fight was against Danny Ehrman. I have no idea what that is. Up in Minnesota Wild, Danny Ehrman. Uh, let's let's see if we can look him up here. Danny Ehrman, look up his hockey DB here. So. Ehrman played two games in the NHL for the Minnesota Wild <laughs> um, and was considered more of a, just looking at his stats here in the AHL, and then he played overseas, uh, was like a like, like a 17 to 25 goal scorer. I mean, wasn't really a big penalty guy. So I, I, I think he was just probably, he was probably a kid looking to make a statement. And Gotcha. I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say Oscar Sunquist in this one. You're going to say, I'm going to say just because it's a three inch difference. That's really what it comes down to. It's a three. It's it's that's a, that's a big difference when you're throwing punches like that. It's it's big, you know. And because really neither of these two guys are particularly skilled at fighting, I think that's really what it's going to come down to. You know, I mean, uh, it's a ten pound different, a two inch different. I I yeah, I'm going to go Sunquist on this one actually. You know, you know, Mason, it's Mother's Day. And we were, we were going to be nice and, you know, uh, uh, PG rated for, for your mom here. And you're talking about how three inches makes a difference. I mean, dude, dude, bruh, we talked about this. We talked about this. You're really going to do that? I, I, I did it. I, I, I went there. I went there. And, uh, <laughs> edgy. So edgy. Really big so edgy. All right. So we will need the voters to decide this one. David, we need Braun. the voter to decide. So I think we, what we should do is we should. Well, let's see. Well, Chris says Sunny. So I think what we should do is we should put a poll on Blue Notes right now. Okay. And then at the end of the episode, review it and let's see what go. votes it got. So right. who would win in a fight, Sunquist or Peron? I can do that. Uh, let's see here. And then you should probably include their like. If if there's enough space to you do their jersey numbers and then their like height weight and then fight records. All right, so let's go ahead. I think he can fit all that. All right. While we talk about our next matchup, I will go ahead and uh, get that posted here. Uh, let me just log into that particular account. And all right, let's go into our next matchup right now here uh, while I dilly dally. Uh, mm-hmm. It is uh, Zach Sanford, the man that this tournament, uh, the prize of the tournament, uh, or at least his face will be anyway, uh, taking on a healthy 
Alex Steen. We are assuming, Alex Steen. Yes. We are assuming that Alex Steen is healthy uh, for this tournament. Uh, this one could be kind of a controversial one as well, just looking at the tail of the tape here. Sanford does have two NHL fights. Mm-hmm. And he has a one and one record on hockey fights. He had three in the juniors. Uh, he has 241 hits in 206 games, so a 1.17 hits per game average. So he does throw the body occasionally, okay. and he does and he does have the size advantage. Six, six four, 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 right? Four, but at 207, four. that kind of makes him a stick. You a know, he's a bit of a stick. A little so he doesn't have a lot of girth on him. He doesn't have a lot of you know big muscle girth Gosh. on him. But he Gosh. does. Sh- shush. <laughs> Hush mouth. I'm going to get a call after this. I'm going to. I'm you're gonna get, you are going to get sent to your room, mister. I'm going to get sent to my room. That's exactly right. Uh, no, he's very – no, he's a very wiry guy. So that's why I don't think, you know, the six foot four is really a big thing. I mean, it's a big thing when it's, you know, a two-inch difference of 10 pounds. But when it's like a six foot four and then your opponent is heavier than you, I think I still I don't think there's much an advantage in that. And for that, I'm gonna actually make it's not because I hate Zach Sanford, because I don't hate Zach Sanford. Let me clarify that. I don't want him on the blues. That doesn't mean I hate him. True. I think Alex Dean has the edge here. I, I do. Alex Dean does have two NHL fights. He also has a one and one record. Not as big of a hitter as Sanford is, about half a hit per game, and he's six foot, two hundred eleven pounds. But as we all know, Steen's a tough guy. Yes. Steen is tough. He is uh um, you know, the, the, the kind of guy that brings his lunch pail to work every day and, and gets the work. Whereas as we know, Sanford can be flaky, you know, he, yeah. can be very, he can be very up and down to the point of madness. Um, by the way, what is it with the blues and having six foot four forwards that are absolute pansies? And then, cause basically Sanford's carrying the tradition that Patrick Berglund, you know, established kind of, kind of, at least Berglund <laughs> could score. Not on occasion, really. not really. On occasion, Stanford, well, Stanford, I think, is a better scorer than Berglund was, possibly. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it would, but yeah, that's it's that's not a good look. Sanford's out of this tournament, okay? Steen wins, assuming, yeah, he's Steen's a, <laughs> Steen wins, assuming he's healthy. So, assuming, yeah, all right. So, um, I still need to make that uh, Twitter poll, by the way, but let's it go. It's all good while you do that. I will talk about the next one while you do that, just so you can focus on all that. Right. So, the next one. It's looking like to be Mr. Vince Dunn, and it's looking like it's to be Mr. Jordan Cairo. Uh, I'm sure that I, – I think this is a runaway <laughs> because Vince Dunn, obviously two NHL fights, one-on-one record. He kicked the snot out of Drake Kajula this season. That was amazing – or no, last season, which was amazing, and I love to see it. Uh, but, you know, th- he's had three – AHL fights, four junior fights, including with the Chicago Wolves. One that was literally in the locker room or or was like at the entrance of a locker room. You know, he absolutely kicked the snot out of wasn't that Drake Kajula as well? Or I don't even remember who that was, but it was somebody. I think it was Kajula. I think it was Kajula. It was Kajula again. Dang, like it's so funny. So and then Mr. Vince Dunn's taking on Mr. Jordan Kyrie, who is a tiny six foot. 175 and he used to be 155 last year so he put on so much weight but you know six foot two or three this is a runaway i think me and tom could both agree on this i mean if we look at vince dunn 163 hits in 267 games that is 0.61 hits a game 
And looking at Jordan Cairo, that is 17 hits in 96, which is 0.18. Look, 0.18, a tet, just under two, just just under a fifth of a hit every single game. Yeah. He's, he does not do it. So. Look, let, let, look, Vince Dunn, since he was a teenager, has dropped the gloves almost 10 times. Um, and he's proven that he can hold himself up in a fight. I mean, you know, Drake Kajula can probably tell you that. Um, Dunn's not the biggest, you know, body thrower, but he will, he, he doesn't shy away from contact either. That, that's a fair way to describe his game. Uh, Kairu, again, just the guy that, no, he's just not a physical guy at all. Absolutely not. Doesn't fight, doesn't hit. And, you know, again, last year he was probably 155 pounds soaking wet. They probably yeah. had, they probably had him wear, you know, a sweatshirt and sweatpants into the jacuzzi and then have him stand on a scale with all that water still, you know, lapping off of his, of his clothing. Um, so, yeah, Kairu, I'm sorry. I love you, Kairu, but in a uh, cage fight, no chance. Again, no chance. Not, no not against Vince Dunn and not against probably most of this uh, this lineup here. In fact, I would probably give, I would say Mike Hoffman probably would beat you up. And that's pretty sad because it's yep, Mike that's Hoffman. about the only guy who could beat you up. Just <laughs> about, just about. Yep. Yeah. I, although there is one guy coming up that I think might be even softer than Kyrie. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about him when we we'll get there. We'll um, talk about him. But next up here, we got uh, this interesting matchup here. Uh, yeah. Uh, Barbashev versus Blay. Ivan Both Barbashev of these guys got some Sammy snarl. Blay. They got they they and and they and they one of them in particular loves to hit. Um, Barbashev has two NHL fights. He has a one zero and one record on hockey fights. He did fight once in the minors, three in the queue. Uh, has three hundred seventy nine hits in two hundred sixty seven games. He averages just under a hit and a half per game. Mm-hmm. He stands six foot one hundred eighty seven pounds, which I thought was surprising. I thought he was a little bigger than that, but uh, nice little guy. Yeah, he's taking on Sammy Blay, who has no NHL fights, did have one fight in the AHL, one in the queue. Here is what wins sways this far over for Blay for me. 365 hits in just 118 games. That is just over three hits per game. I've said it many times on this on this podcast. The guy is a heat seeking missile. Yes. And he's six foot two, 205 pounds. The dude is sturdy. And as you said, Barbashev's a smaller guy um, who, who's scrappy. But, and, and while Blay hasn't, doesn't have the fighting track record, I, I would say in a cage situation where there's <laughs> no escape and you have to lock up, I would give this to Blay. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 I, I think this, I think, but it's, Barbashev would have a chance. I think he, he would he would have a chance um, because he's proven he can throw the fist, whereas Blay hasn't really yet. Um, but I just think I just think Blay would out physical him, and I think yeah. and, I, and I think Blay would go in there with no mercy. Right. Well, Blay at six foot two, he's got the reach advantage too, and he's got the weight advantage as well. Yeah. That's a nearly a twenty pound difference between the two. That's a big part of you know being able to take down another guy. So for that is definitely Blay in my book. Just just me personally. Oh, that's totally uh, fair. Totally so. fair. Um, by the way, early results from our Twitter poll on Peron and Sunquist. I just had them up, and then my Twitter refreshed on me and just sent them off to uh, 
never never land here turns out I, when, you, when you follow a lot of people on twitter mm-hmm. it's easy for your own post to get kind of lost in the shuffle uh peron mm-hmm. right now it's four nothing peron over sunquist at this Peron point. over sunquist okay uh, we'll see where that is at the end of the episode we'll make the official ruling at that point but just wanted to give our uh listeners mm-hmm. an update um mm-hmm. by the way De- uh, derek thinks that blay would fall over first blay makes a lot of hits but half the time he falls on the ice instead of the opponent. So we would need to see how Blaze ground game works there. He's got a point. Uh, I kind of got a point. I'm still going to go Blaze just because that yeah. 20 pounds is a lot. Yeah. You know, that's my thing. But I mean, I I think it, that would be a fun matchup to watch. I just so. don't think, I don't, I don't think Barbashev would have the technique, you know, for, for, yeah. for, for an unstoppable force like Blaze. Yeah. I just don't. I don't think. Maybe. Maybe Dunn might. I mean, that be that's that might be an interesting matchup that'd next be round because the Dunn, roommates, the the apartment roommates. That's right. That's right. Suit and suit. And you know what? We we know Vince Dunn would win the roommates. Fortnite battle. Yeah, they Dunn would crush Blay on Fortnite. But what about <laughs> a real fight? Hmm. We'll find out. Mm. Um. And next matchup. Uh. This one's an. This one's a very interesting one here. Probably one. Of, probably the most interesting of this first round, in my opinion, because it really. It, it could go either. It, it could, really depends on how you view these players. Yeah. Uh, Justin Falk versus Colton Pareko. Justin Falk has seven NHL fights. He is 3-0-4. His last four fights have been draws, according to hockey fights, uh, uh, where the, basically okay. on hockey fights, you have yes, no, or draw. And then in the last four fights, he has more draws than yeses or no. So that's how I kind of determined that's a draw. Um. He has 1,144 hits in 681 games, so he averages Ooh, about 1.7 hits per game. So he's also he leads the Blues in hits this year as well. Because he he has been a very violent he's gentleman. He's been a very violent gentleman yeah. here. Uh, he's six foot, 217 pounds, so he's more more stout, you know, yeah. uh, than tall. He will take on Colton Pareko, who has not had a single NHL fight. In fact, oh, his hockey, in fact, his hockey fights record is completely barren. He, there, no record of him having a fight in juniors, no record of having him, of him having a fight. In the <laughs> no one will drop the gloves it's with him. Point. He's a fucking giraffe. <laughs> He's uh, he, well, like, people thought Chara back in the day, but that was a long mm, time ago. Chara that's for respect. Fight. That's more for, respect. um, Pareko has 549 hits in 416 games, so just about 1.3 hits per game. Not, not up. He's not up there. I mean, he's he's better than average, but not up there in terms of hits. But mm-hmm. he is six foot six, two hundred and thirty pounds. So can Justin Falk break through the reach and size advantage to pummel Pareko, or is Pareko's size going to be too much? By the way, Chris Shockey thinks it'll be Colton just because of reach. Mm, what do you think? Oh, you're putting it back on me. Yes, I'm putting it back on you because I have no idea. <laughs> well, this is hard. And this is assuming, I, by the way, this is assuming Pareko has a good back, by the way. Assuming, yeah, as, 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 all these players have a clean bill of health, by the way. So just, just, just there, we there we go. I'm going to go with Falk because. As you said, he's he, he's the Blues hit leader this year, mm-hmm. and P- I think Pareko Pareko's a nice man. He is a very he is a teddy bear. Being. He is he's a big teddy bear who can be physical, but 
it doesn't necessarily mean he has been. I mean, he, there, there's. I think there's a lot of Blues fans that would love to see Fis- uh, Pareko throw the body a little bit more. Um, yeah, Derek. Yeah, and, and and I agree with with Derek. Um, you know, he votes for Falk because Pareko. Yeah, it would be basically you know that come down to experience and yeah. personality. I mean, Pareko would probably stand you know right at the faceoff dot, and he would let Falk work around him. And then Falk would just come in for his opportunity. And once Preco's off his feet, it's done. Yep. Um, by the way, I, I, I guess I should point. I, I guess I guess we are kind of looking at this like a UFC fight instead of a hockey fight. I guess maybe. Kind of, but eh, whatever. Know. This is a made-up tournament. It's made-up rules. Who cares? <laughs> all, yeah. Basically, all 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 Falk needs to do is slip one jab and then get under, and then I'll just uppercut him on the chin, and it's done. So yeah. Well, uh, Justin Falk's got a lot of power packed into you know his he uh, his he's stature. A, he's so very he's only. Strong. Six foot oh, but like two seventeen. That's a lot of muscle on him. So and at six foot six two thirty with Pareko, that's pretty skinny for six foot six. So and he's been that's kind of why I'm inclined to agree on Falk. And he's been an absolute beast mode this year on hits. I mean, he is probably averaging over two hits per game at this mm-hmm. point. So I mean, that's yeah. I would I would say just for the killer instinct alone, I would go with Falk. But yeah, it, it, it'd be close. I think it'd be close. It'd be closer than people think. I reckon. I, I think do so. agree. I agree with that. Uh, next fight, which I don't think will be particularly close, Mackenzie McEachern <laughs> versus Kyle Clifford. So, um, <laughs> McEachern. Oh, if, Mac to the moon. Holy let's, shit. <laughs> let's, let's, um, let's, let, let's get through Mac first here. Uh, he has an 0 1 NHL record, 165 hits in 100 games, so 1.65 hits per game, 6 foot 2, 190 pounds, a good fourth line moxie type. Taking on Kyle Clifford, who has 96 NHL fights, 96 <laughs> NHL fights, and I, I would have had to go into each and every single fight to count his record, and I, I'm not counting that. I mean, the, the, when you fight 96 NHL fights, what's that your number, what's your source? Uh, hockey fights, hockeyfights.com. So, okay. so, so I'll look at it for you. To tally all these, well, you're going to be here a while because you have to click on each and every fight to determine who the hockey fights uh, uh, voters thought won. Yeah, I'm just going to look at it. Just I would have I, I would have still been counting this, by the way, now, if I because I started counting these earlier this afternoon. We would not have started at Blue Notes on time. if um, Definitely, though. Our tallying. So 90, I feel that 96 NHL fights, that kind of stands on its own legs. Um, he also has uh, 1,557 hits in 723 games, a little over two hits per game. He is six foot two, two hundred eleven pounds, and he destroys uh, Mackenzie McEachern here. Uh, I, no, I for sure, no contest. Pure, pure destruction. Clifford wins. Although, the, although he has kind of, I, I feel Clifford is, you know, he's definitely eased off as you know the the game has changed because he's when he started, you know, you would still have players that would have you know five to ten fights per season, no problem, and he was a guy that was having like eleven to fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was one of the big fighting leaders, but then, of course, as the game past decade has evolved, he doesn't fight as much as he used to. But right, once he, I mean, ninety six fights. Come on, come on, come on. Okay, so according to this place, the, this thing that I'm looking at, he has like a he has a point six seven, uh, point six seven wins to loss fighting ratio. Okay, so basically, we're we're saying that he has won about sixty NHL fights. Yeah. That's about 60, good. about 65. He's going to the finals, probably. Um, probably. 
Uh, and then our final four matchups here, if you're watching, I'm scrolling down right now. Uh, our next matchup is Nico Mikola. This is a good one. This is a good one. Um, taking on Marco Scandella. So Mikola has one NHL fight. It just happened recently against Maxime Comtois this year, and he beat beat him pretty good. Oh, uh, boy. 48 hits in 33 games. He has a, about a one and a half uh, hit per game average. Another big boy, six foot four, only 185 pounds. And that's, you know, that's you know, when you see him on the ice, he's definitely not a big, beefy guy, uh, but he's, he's pretty tall and he can be pretty imposing. He's taking on Marco Scandella, who has six NHL fights, has not won one, according to hockey fights. He has an 0 4 and 2 record. Um, he tries, but he just doesn't. Um, just doesn't. Two AHL fights and seven fights in juniors. So he definitely was a scrapper uh, coming up. So he's up. got experience. He's not he's, good, but he's, he's got, got experience. experience. He averages about exactly one hit per game, 627 hits in 626 games. He stands six foot three, 212 pounds, so an inch shorter, but he's bulkier. He's about uh, 28 pounds. He's got 27 pounds on Mikola. Um, who okay. Do you, who do you got? I'm. I'm gonna let you go first. This is going to. This is going to. This is probably not what you're. T- I'm picking Marco Scandella on this one. You know, just because the stocky build, I think it's too much. I think. Oh shush, hush! No, no. <laughs> I think no. I think I think Scandella be. I definitely think Scandella beats Mikola just because a experience. B. He's just a stockier guy. I don't think the two inch difference does much. I, that's what I think. We've established that three inches makes the difference. So, you know, right. Three inches is the difference. Exactly. Yes. Um, Tell that to every single one of my exes. <laughs> Moving on. Um, by the way, Derek and Chris, if you have an opinion on this, uh, it might help steer me a little bit. I Not three inches, but the, the matchup. <laughs> um. You started I, this. Now I'm finishing I did. it. I did. Um, <laughs> by the way, Chris says Nico would win the fight. Um, and that's what I'm going with because, you know what? This this is my show. This is my tournament. And I love Nico Mikola. I've so always we got another tie. We start Mikola. You know, that that's the hashtag. Um, I think... I think Scandella's... I just don't see killer instinct in Scandella that i that i do in mikola i I think mikola is the more heady the more tenacious player Um, he does and and he does have a reach advantage he is Mm -hmm. fighting above his weight a little bit you know just in terms of 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 you know physical weight if we keep in mind 185 for six four is skinny it is that's a stick that's where it comes down to, in my opinion. That's where the, that's what it comes down to is because Marco Scandella is just so stocky. A six foot four, you know, one eighty five isn't going yeah. to take down two hundred seventeen. It's just not. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, Chris. Chris so. was at the game with the Nico fight. He said it was very impressive. Derek mm-hmm. votes Mikola. Can't say why though. So okay. So uh, everyone seems to be saying Mikola. So I don't think we need to do a Twitter poll here. I uh, think we should go Mikola here. Yeah, by uh, I, I, I'm. Yeah. By the way, yeah. worth noting, Maxime Comtois is six foot two, two hundred fifteen. Mm-hmm. So, and Mikola beat him in a fight. Okay. So, um, yeah, I'll, it's it, all right. Let's go, Mikola. Yeah, we'll go, Mikola here. It, but it's it's, mm-hmm. it's close. It's I mean, close. Know, if Wags were here, he could be the tiebreaker, but he's not. Not 
here. Wags. Wags. Ooh, can we get a boo? Boo. Boo this man. All right. Next matchup. Uh, now that we're done booing wags, uh, is probably oh no oh no this this one is going to be the slaughter of the first round here. This one is not even <laughs> close. Like I feel, I mean, I, I know why you put these two together because they're both named Robert, but we have Robert Thomas versus Robert Bortuzzo. Do I even need to go through the tail of the no. tape? Here? No, no, Bortuzzo. let's just yeah, let's yeah. yeah. Uh, by the way, worth noting. Not uh, only is Thomas going to lose, he's going to get snapped in half. Okay, it's just not a contest here. This worth, is more of a beatdown than Clifford versus McCaffrey. All right, this is noting. Close. By the, it's also worth noting, by the way, that Robert Thomas has the least hits per game out of anyone in this tournament at point seventeen. He is not a physical guy at <laughs> all. Bortuzzo's twenty-nine NHL fights. Um, he's six foot four, 216 pounds. He has the size. He has the experience. He has the killer instinct. And Robert Thomas is going to probably have an injury after that fight happens. So yes, he will yeah. be snapped in half. It will not be good. Yeah. Ba- yeah. Basically. I mean, it, it's going to be like Thanos snapping his, you know, fingers, you know, it's, it's going to be that easy for Robert. Right. Uh, um, next fight. Uh, Tori Krug takes on Jake Wallman. Now, Tori Krug is only five foot nine, 186 pounds, but he is five foot nine, 186 pounds of Moxie. He has 12 NHL fights. He has a four, five, and three record because he is five respectable. Nine. He has five foot nine, 186 pounds, so that's why his win total isn't as probably great as it should be. But, but respect, uh, yeah. four, 460 hits in 571 games has a 0.8 hits per game average. He takes on Jake Wallman, who has not fought anyone anywhere, does average about a hit per game during his time with the Blues, only 26, 25 games. And he does stand six foot one, but he's only 170 pounds. So Krug actually has the weight and base advantage here. I think Krug wins this one pretty handy. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I mean, Jake Wallman just flat out doesn't have the experience first off, but Tori no. Krug, I knew he knew how to fight. I didn't know he's been in 12, though, so that's actually a surprise to me. Uh, but yeah, Tori Krug wins this one for sure, just because, I mean, Jake Wallman's no tall guy by any stretch of the imagination either. So, I mean, yeah, I think he, I think he does. I think he wins. All right, I think I'm getting, so, you're, you're getting a phone call here. Um, I'm getting a phone call for sure. We said, we, we said something. We said we, we've said a lot of things. Yes. We, yeah, we have. We really have. See, see what happens when Wags isn't here to, you know, Wags needs to be Wags is our parent. On track, you know, living living the clean and healthy life. Terrible. All right, last matchup. It's a goalie fight. There it, we go. It's Ville Husso taking on Jordan Bennington. And Billy Husso has not fought anything anywhere. He's six foot three, two hundred five pounds, so he does have the size advantage. But he's taken on Jordan Bennington, who has two AHL fights. Both were ruled draws on uh, on on hockey fights, which is fair. I mean, I've never I've never really seen a decisive. Goalie I've never fight. seen a decisive goalie fight. No, either. they no. both go down at the same time. It's just a or big they, heap and mass of pads and shame. So. Or like, or like Cujo would do with uh, Mike Vernon. You know, they they would just punch each other out and then just like hug afterwards, and you know, that's that. Yeah. You know. So, um, and one of those fights, by the way, was against uh, former Blue uh, Phoenix Copley. Um, worth noting there. Six foot one, one hundred seventy four pounds. No NHL fights yet, but as we know, Bennington you know, sometimes likes to fight entire teams like he did with San Jose, or at least try to pick a fight with them. 
Um, so I think just on pure moxie alone, it's Bennington. Yeah, better for sure. Definitely. Yeah, I, that, there, I there's there's I, there's literally no argument I can make for Ville Husso because I have no size. That's no, it. That's about it. But that's just like there's no evidence that Husso would would, you know, do well in the fight. Mm-hmm. Well, you never know with Husso because he could have that suddenly break out one time and just go absolutely ham. So, yeah, you never know. Yeah, my your your mom's still not approving, by the way. What the heck? I forgot to say anything. She hasn't said anything in about five minutes. So we have gone five minutes without saying anything offensive. That's that pretty like good. Tally. For this like podcast, a, that's pretty good. That should be like a tally on the top right of the screen. <laughs> Days since last dick joke. <laughs> By the way, Chris Chris Shockey did point out that Wah beat the hell out of hell out of Osgood. So that, that I did actually forget that. I I think that'd be uh, one where Wah got the decision. You know, mm-hmm. maybe I don't think he like actually took Osgood down to the ground. So uh anyway, that is the first round of our bare knuckle again. We will uh uh post uh, polls for all these matchups just to see where you guys are doing. I may create a separate bracket just based on the poll vote as well, just so we can kind of compare notes here and have mm-hmm. something to uh, discuss here. And our final ruling on Sunquist versus Peron. It's David Perron. Uh, he wins uh, with eighty percent of the votes. So uh, there, we go. there we go. So uh, David Perron will go ahead and advance. I'll go ahead and uh, reflect that here on our bracket. All and, right, and uh, we will be uh, have the round of sixteen uh, next week, uh, featuring matchups that include that Vladimir Tarasenko versus Nathan Walker, Braden Shen versus Clint Costin, Dakota Joshua versus Carl Gunnarsson. David Perron versus a healthy Alex Steen, Vince Dunn versus Sammy Blay, Justin Falk versus Kyle Clifford, and Nico Mikula versus Robert Bortuzzo, and Tori Krug versus Jordan Bennington. So start making your prognostications now. No DraftKings will not accept your wagers for these matchups. Unfortunately, gosh, they should though. They should. They they, they really don't know what they're missing. They don't know what they're missing at all. So. Uh, that's going to do it for uh, me. Uh, um, Mason, any final thoughts? Nope. Just uh, happy Mother's Day to all the uh, mothers out there that may be uh, watching this one. And uh, hopefully uh, hopefully the Blues finish the season strong. You know, I'm really looking forward to the playoffs. Uh, next time we meet, the regular season should be done next time we do a podcast, right? Yes, it should be. Yeah, yeah. the, the so last game is Thursday, so... There we go then. So we should be getting the playoffs will probably start on that Sunday, I reckon. So and uh, Robin, please don't punish Mason too much. <laughs> and that's gonna do it for Blue Notes. I want to thank you for listening and watching because without you, there is no me, there is no wax, so that doesn't count. And there is no Mason and there is no hockey podcast network. I'm there really Tom is Franklin. no wags. There really is. Yeah, there no really wags. isn't. By the way, I'm Tom Franklin reminding you to not be a chump. And since Mason won't do it, always play to the whistle. A reminder that you can follow Blue Notes on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Blue Notes Pod. I'm the voice of the blues, Tom Calhoun. Jeremy Boyer, play us out.
You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.